Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Good morning. It is my distinct pleasure and privilege to introduce to you our next speaker, Dr. John Heesalkers, who studied medicine at the Radboud University in the Netherlands. He started his training in urology in 1993 at the University Hospital Maastricht, where in 1997, he successfully defended his thesis titled Dynamic uh, Urinary Gracilloplasty. Since 2000, he's been a full-time staff urologist in the Department of Urology uh, at the Radboud UMC and a consultant at the Rehabilitations Clinic at St. Martin in the Netherlands, where he is the head of the unit of functional urology and neurourology. From a professional society standpoint, Dr. Heesuckers is an active member of the AUA, EAU, ICS, and SUFU. He chairs the Society of Functional and Reconstructive Urology, uh, a division, a body of the Dutch uh, Association of Urology, and is a faculty member of the European School of Urology, as well as the chairman of the European Section of Female and Functional Urology. Since 2008, he has been a principal investigator for the uh, Nijmegen Center for Molecular Life Sciences. He's a reviewer of several major urologic scientific journals and has authored more than 100 peer-reviewed publications and 10 book chapters on the topic of on urologic topics. Please uh, join me in welcoming Dr. Heesalkers. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is John Heesalkers. I'm working in the Department of Urology of the Maastricht University in the Netherlands. And I wanna share with you the neuromodulation features now and in the future. These are my disclosures with respect to this presentation. And this is the innovation pattern of the lower urinary tract as we all know it. We have the hypogastric nerve, pelvic nerve, pudendal nerve and the tibial nerve. These are very important for this presentation. The trick is that if there is a pathological signal to the lower urinary tract, you can change that pathological signal into a proper signal by influencing the innervation pattern of the lower urinary tract. And you can do that at sacral level, S2, S4, at tibial nerve level, and at pudendal nerve level. And we're talking about the new developments here on sacral and tibial nerve modulation at this moment. Now, this is the classical situation that we all know. It is the interstim therapy, where you can see how the interstim electrode is influencing the S3 root of the sacral nurse. And with that influencing, it has effect on the bladder, the bladder outlet, the rectum, etc. This is the setup as we all know it. And when this was introduced, this was a very important study in 2007 in the Journal of Urology. Five years after approval of this system into the clinic, we had results of the patients that were treated with interstim. So this post-approval study in 163 patients had this outcome. What you can see is that if you have a good response after one year, it will persist during the next years and after five years, we have still a good effect of this 
interstim therapy on the lower urinary tracts. What you can see is that the response rate will be between 56 and 68%. So let's say two thirds of the patients will benefit from this therapy. Now, all new devices that have been introduced are compared to this therapy. And then we should question ourselves on how should the ideal neuromodulator look like? Is that the interstim as we know it that has been introduced so long ago, or is that something else? Well, if you look at typical features, this is what you can decide and think of for yourself. It should be small and harmless. It should be especially compatible with other diagnostics like MRIs, cardiac pacemakers. It should be without battery or at least chargeable. That's easier than having an implanted battery. It should be easily explantable and if possible, autonomously operated. Now, this is the first sacral nerve neuromodulation system. It is the exonic system that has been introduced lately and has already been widespread into clinical practice. This is the first safety study presented by Bertha Block and others. And what you can see as compared to the classic Medtronic system is that the exonic system is smaller than the interstim and the um, battery life is three to five years for the interstim, but 15 plus as is hoped for the exonic system. So that's quite a difference. This is chargeable. This is not chargeable. This will last for about three to five years, depending a bit on the stimulation parameters. And this can last perhaps more than 15 years, which is good. If you look at the effects, this is what you can see. After initial responders, 71% had still good therapy response after one month. And that continued up to six months in this first safety study. Very important. So again, two thirds will respond very well um, after a, a certain amount of time. The exonic system is safe. It has effect after six months. The patients are able to charge the battery themselves and it perhaps is less costly than the other therapies. This is published in Neurology and Neurodynamics in 2020, 129 eligible patients that had a good mode response initially. And after one year, the response was still 89%. So this is very high and at least comparable to the interstim study, although there is no direct comparison. If you look at reduction rates of urge urinary incontinence, the patients that were dry, 29% in this group, and the overactive bladder quality of life questionnaire, you can see that all changes are very promising and very good, and also at least comparable to the other system. This is another sacral nerve neuromodulation system. It's called the A-leaves from Nuspira, which you can see it is an electrode that we know very well, perhaps with contact points that we know, and this is an activated um, um, electrode from outside. So what is it? It is introduced sacrally, it is remotely activated, and there are some small studies done that were published in the in Neurology and Neurodynamics in 2019. What we saw was that there was mode response noted in five patients. A new sacral nerve normalization system is 
from China. It's called the BattleStim and it can be remotely programmed. There are two types. This is what we more or less know. This is some kind of a pacemaker. This is a G131 model. This is a G132 model. And what you can see is that via internet, via computers, this device is programmable and also the parameters can be changed on remote, changed on a remote distance, which is perhaps very important for countries, big countries like China. 84 patients were um, treated with this treatment, clinical success rates, again, two thirds, 72%. There is remote control, video control, parameter adjustments can be done on a remote distance. Of course, perhaps privacy issues might be into question here because you can imagine that if you have a cardiac pacemaker that can be controlled from a remote distance, that might be dangerous, not only physically, but also for your privacy. And that perhaps also goes for lower urinary tract applications. Then we have another nerve that we can introduce. Apart from sacral nerve, this is the most uh, tested uh, nerve that we know in urology. It's the percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation setup. What you can see here, tibial nerve, which is stimulated by a needle with a ground pad. And that's what we have in clinic. But of course, we want to have not these patients coming back into the clinic every week, but they uh, have to be uh, controlling themselves because that's not uh, that difficult and, and cumbersome for them. It's not a new technique. It is known perhaps also in China where it's called acupuncture, but perhaps it's also uh, tibial nerve stimulation for many indications, including aneurysis and neurodysuria. So perhaps this complete different healthcare system um, was doing the same thing as we do at this moment with nerve stimulation with electrical currents. The first one is the stim guard. What you can see is that the electrode is introduced cutaneously very close to the tibial nerve. And what you can see here again is contact points very close to the nerve. This looks more or less like the system that you know from Ectonic. This is the introduction here. And after that, you can stimulate this technique, this sensor from the outside. At the ICS in 2019, a presentation was given by Searles about the retrograde technique in nine patients who had OAB for more than six months, seven were implanted and six were stimulated for 30 weeks. Most patients approved by four weeks, which was quicker than with PTNS, and these effects were sustained throughout 12 months. There were some minor adverse events. Perhaps this is also something that can be used in the in the future with a percutaneous placed electrode close to the tibial nerve. The PROTECT study is introduced and started recruiting patients in 2015. It compares this uh, technique with StimGuard to uh, InterStim in 89 subjects in every arm and the study is still recruiting. We are very anxious to see these results. Then there is the Bioness Stim Router, which is a subcutaneously placed electrode with a patch electrode and with a patch uh, cutaneously that gives external pulse transmission. There is an integrated receiver and an anchor, three contact uh, electrodes, contact points close to the tibial nerve, 
and this external pulse transmitter is rechargeable so there's no battery inside. In the Journal of Urology, there was a supplement by Howard Goldman's group in five females. The placement duration was 80 minutes, mean estimated blood loss five minutes, mean follow-up 5.2 months, and there were no post-procedure complications. So perhaps this is also very promising for the future. Then the eCoin system, which is published by Scott McDiarmid and his group in the Journal of Urology 2019. It is a battery powered leadless titanium device with a diameter of 23 millimeters and two millimeters thickness. The amplitude is from 0.5 to 25 milliamps and the, it gives 20 pulses per second. Therapy is standard 30 minutes every two days for three months, maintenance every 15 days, and the battery should last for about three years. So this is the technique. The coin is placed close to the tibial nerve and we can put many coins at many uh, nerves. Perhaps the whole human body can be treated with this. What he saw was in 46 patients, the urge incontinence episodes reduced with minus 71% and more than 50% improvement was seen in 70% of patients. So this is also promising. There is the Blue Wind Renova system as the last new type of neuromodulation as we know at the moment. It is a passive implant with an external control unit which can be programmed from outside and also controlled from outside and also the pulses are recorded. What you can see here, published in the Neurourology and Neurodynamics, after six months that the clinical success rates were about 70% who had more than 50% improvement. That also goes for urgency and frequency and urgent continence um, patients. Long-term effects were also seen, published in the Journal of Virology last year. After three years, 75% still had good effects with the per protocol and the intention to treat um, stimulation group. So this is also very promising not that many adverse events. So it's safe to do and it will have uh, good results on the long term. And the real efficacy studies are now ongoing. What you can also do with your neuromodulation uh, system is try to um, play with the parameters and see whether you can optimize therapy. Well, this is not that promising as we might hope it was. If you look at frequency, what we know from a study from Tom Marcelison is that the most frequent frequency used is 10 to 14 Hertz. And perhaps if you have fecal incontinence, 31 Hertz may give you better efficacy. So with the existing system, you can play with the frequency. If you look at pulse width, what we know is that if you manipulate the pulse width, you can have uh, savings of the SNM therapy, especially regarding efficacy and painful stimuli. So if you don't have a very long pulvid, that is perhaps not as painful as very broad pulvids. And if you have amplitude that you play with, then you can also uh, um, notice that sub-threshold stimulation gives better tolerability and longer battery life, as was promised, published last year in Neuromodulation Journal. So 
you can do something with parameters, but that's not very, uh, very much. We are waiting for new implants, as I showed you, in order to have uh, best optimization of the implants that we have. Now, what is the future? Is this the future? This published a publication in Nature 2019, and that also has been presented on this uh, symposium and this, uh, and this conference. It is called optogenetics. What is it? Well, it's called optogenetics because it uses light in order to have neuromodulation techniques. In this setup, there was a strain gauge that, has, that was monitoring bladder filling. Then there are microscale inorganic light emitting diodes, U eyelets for control. The bladder wall was injected with a vector, an HSV vector that contained an inhibitory opsin that was consisting of 3.0 arch. And the micro ULEDs were activated when the bladder was filled. If then the uh, eyelets were activated, also the arch opsin was activated and that could suppress bladder contraction. So what you can do with light is that you control the bladder. If you put the light on, you can contract the bladder or relax the bladder if you use the proper, um, the proper uh, techniques and also the proper uh, neurotransmitters in order to have control of the urinary tract. Well, this was the complicated setup that, that was used in, uh, in nature. But what you can see here, that this activated bladder here by green is suppressing the bladder contraction, which is perhaps what you want in overactive bladder patients. Now, in conclusion, there are new SNS and PTNS devices for refractory overactive bladder. There are implants, patches, etc. It's all possible, and new techniques makes it uh, very elegant to play with these kinds of techniques. Ideal, to my view, is without a battery, so that you don't have something inside that you have to remove or charge or whatever. And perhaps the future will be that we have opsin-activated lower urinary tract applications. Thank you very much. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Heesockers. It's been a privilege to listen to you with this excellent overview of neuromodulation. I was um, actually getting a note here that we have a couple of minutes if anybody has any questions for Dr. Heesockers. I do have a question for you, uh, Dr. Heesockers. How, you know, with all this amazing new technology coming down the pike, how is it that you choose which one you offer your patients? Oh, that, <laughs> that would be a very ideal question. Uh, when all the uh, new systems were introduced and properly um, um, uh, implemented in, um, in, the, in the normally um, health system. I'm trying to put on my video, but that's... We can see you. Okay, I can, I cannot see myself. That's even better. <laughs> so if, if everything would be available yet, then um, you can uh, make your choice based on, on especially what, uh, what patients like themselves. Um, uh, there are some patients that, that like to, to have chargeable implants and uh, like to uh, charge themselves, but there are also patients that like to come into the clinic quite often in order to, uh, to have control by, let's say, um, uh, authorized specialist in order to, to find out whether they are doing still fine and they're really 
uh, reinforce that that the treatment is the good one. So it depends more or less on the, on the uh, uh, independency of your patients, which which uh, system works best. Then of course there is uh, the the choice between um, ankle and sacral uh, areas where you can stimulate. Uh, I slightly have a preference for the ankle because that's that's easier to manipulate and and if you have to operate in that area, it is um, less. Um, uh, less cumbersome than, than if you uh, operate on the sacral area, especially with positioning of the patients. So that also is, is, is finally making the choice of uh, which system is, uh, is, is, is the optimal one. But finally, I think uh, the patient themselves will decide what, uh, which one is, is, is their preference and, and what you should do. That's great. Thank you. If, if, um, if of course, the, the, the efficacy is, is exactly the same, because that's also quite important. Of course. Um, okay, so I've got a couple questions in chat and we've got three minutes to try to cover them. So um, so from Dr. Chai, optogenetics are intended to give basic investigators a genetic tool to close to study closed loop systems. But I think we can bring this to the clinical arena. What are the other tools that allow a feedback loop that can work clinically? Mm, well, the, the, the idea of optogenetics is that, that you can easily put things on or off. And it is very appealing to look at those lighted animals to, to, to see uh, how they, um, how they um, do when, when, when the light is put on green or on red or whatever. Um, so it, it, is a, it is a way of doing it, but I don't think it's, it's the only one. You can also um, have, have some, some, some feedback with pressure measurements, etc. But we know from clinical practice that's not easy. Uh, also, in, in in animal studies and in in patient studies, if you, for instance, want to uh, to drive your your neuromodulation system uh, based on intravesical pressure, you have to find a way to to measure the intravesical pressure continuously in in an elegant way, and that is not very easy. So perhaps with these optogenetic tools, it might be a bit easier. But we're not there yet. Rats is fine, but it's still not human beings. Well, thank you very much for just an absolutely excellent session and all the way from the Netherlands. Thank you very much. Um, we're, we're out of time and we're, I'm going to pass the baton on to Dr. Vasavada, our president, uh, for some very important announcements. And thank you, Dr. Hisakers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.